please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. All right, yo, yo, this is Treasy. Hey, hey, it's Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. It's Jesse T. And I'm Young Leezy. And we are the Kind of Movie Critics, man. We are here. Well, I'm adjusting knobs right now. Just hold on one second. As if y'all care. Um, <laughs> what's up, guys? What's what's new in the news, man? Y'all been hearing about this Harvey Weinstein stuff? Yeah, apparently he's a dirtbag. Yeah, yeah. That, the the story you told me was pretty crazy. Oh yeah, the jerking off. Like he. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I forgot. I have to look it up. But a woman accused him of cornering her in like a hallway in the back of a restaurant, uh-huh. and then she was like, "I don't want you, Harvey Harvey Weinstein." He was like, "That's fine." And then he jerked off in front of her, and then he ejaculated yeah. into a plant. Wow. Yeah, that's that's because he's a big dude. She just kind of stood there and watched. Just dealt it, with it. Just dealt with it because yeah. she couldn't get getting couldn't, couldn't get past him. So yeah, apparently Harvey Weinstein's into some you know some weird shit. I'm I'm curious about his mental state. That's not normal behavior. Like that. I mean. Don't get me wrong, like, sexual harassment is despicable, but there's levels to that shit, and he, like, surpassed them all. Yeah, jerking off in front of you. In a you hallway to watch of a again. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot. That's kind of top of the list of, like, you, wild shit. Yeah. To do in public. I mean, once Meryl Streep accuses you of something, like, it's that's it. Like, she's God. Did she have any specific story? Or I didn't read just, it. I just okay. saw that she was one of his accusers, and I was like, well... Once Meryl Streep recuses well, you, that's like, what can you do? They've got some accusers, and then they've got other people kind of just going, yeah, we all kind of knew. We all kind of knew you were a slime ball. You know what I mean? So, like, but, I mean, that's not an accusation either. So that's that's challenging for his career. But Yeah, that sucks. Sorry to hear it, but it is what it is. Do you guys think he deserves to, like, be fired and have all his stuff revoked pretty much? Well, if he's wilding out like that, absolutely. He's a liability. Yeah, if, he, if he got fired, that means... They've been they've been covering that up for a little while. Yeah, they've probably opinion. been sued several times. Yeah, they've had to pay out a few people, and they finally were like, "Look, dude, you got to get your shit together because we're tired of like sweeping this under the rug." I'm pretty sure he still will be able to maintain his rights in terms of like his shares of the company. He just won't be able to work there, so yeah, he'll be fine. He'll bounce back. He's he's filthy rich, anyways. I mean, he's, he's old. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. Mm. Um, do any of you guys watch like honest trailers? Honest trailers. What's I watch that? them every once in a while. I don't, I don't follow it, but I watch them from time to time. Yeah, the creator of that is like dealing with literally like the same thing right now. Well, he's not like jerking off on people. But, <laughs> but, yeah. But he's like, he has a wife and kids. And he's like texting people and like being inappropriate and stuff like that. So there's this big controversy because Honest Trailers, like they, they got nominated for um, a web like Emmy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty big. It's like they basically um, do videos where they uh, do a trailer for a movie mm-hmm. and they like lampoon and then talk about like its deficiencies or what's good about it and make jokes and stuff like that. Oh. But it's, it's pretty like big on YouTube and stuff like that. So it's just, it's interesting to see that like, I guess sexual harassment and misogyny is like at all levels type of thing. Like even somebody like Screen Junkies, whereas just a small like film company that like makes jokes is like that stuff is still <laughs> people still like think they have the power and that stuff is still going on. Oh wow, yeah, that's a little above my pay grade to be perfectly honest, man. Uh, so, but yeah, no, that's pretty wild. I mean, I think that's a it, it's it, it might be a big blow for like independent film because I know you know the you know. Well, I mean, the Weinstein company is going to carry on, right? 
So, right. I, so I guess maybe not. Um, did you guys see the Spielberg documentary on HBO? No. I saw no. the first half Didn't. of it. I really wanted to, but I, I wasn't. I really like Spielberg. I'm a big Spielberg fan. Yeah. Very inspirational, I think, for anybody who aspires to make film. He he, he really goes into, into detail about some of his, like, early blunders and things that, like, mm-hmm. or just weren't really... You know, when he was still trying to find himself, mm-hmm. some of the things that we regard as like superiorly, like epic, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of came from he, he, you know, he received a lot of backlash from it. They talked about specifically what 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 rung out to me is um, during the time he did Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, like I guess they were kind of like back to back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how much of a big risk that was for the studios like that, like. It's obviously now, you know, they're making, you know, all types of crazy money and winning awards. Like, it doesn't seem like a big deal. You know, it, it was obviously the right choice. How it was like such a huge, like, uh, risk in his career, especially Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. You know, just because he, that wasn't the type of director that he had kind of portrayed himself to be. I think The Color Purple was probably the only thing that he had yeah. that was anything remotely close to, like, Dramatic. Schindler's List. Yeah. And it... it it's really crazy. It just kind of points out some things that we probably weren't privy to because we were like mostly kids when he was really building his legacy. Hey, Rick, because when you look back on it, you don't realize that before Schindler's List, he had done nothing but like summer blockbuster yeah. kind of swashbuckling. E.T., cut, yeah, like Close Encounters and mm. stuff Jaws. like that. Jaws, yeah. yeah. Like so how, yeah, it, it, it's really, really, really good. I think it's, it's good to watch for anybody who is um, aspiring to be a filmmaker or people that, I don't know, man. Just looking for, ha- haven't really hit their stride as a filmmaker yet, and you know, are kind of giving up on themselves or whatever. They, you know, maybe don't have any motivation. It's extremely motivational, bro. Like, it's a really good doc. I'm glad they made it. Do they talk about Jurassic Park and how like awesome Jurassic Park is? Jurassic Park's one of my favorite movies. I of didn't all get time. that far. Um, the parts of it that I found interesting were really talking about his personal life and it how it shapes his point of view and I thought that was really dope. Yeah. I liked learning about him as a person. Right. Because I'm really familiar with his work. I mean, if you're an American, you, you can't escape Steven Spielberg. So. Right. Knowing more about him as a man and how he relates to the pieces of art that he's created, it was really dope. Yeah. Well, I have a question, like looking at the Spielberg documentary and looking at like, I know we're going to talk more about Denis Villeneuve. I feel like they're similar directors and they make these like visionary movies. But of course, Denny, like it seems like he can't really catch a break as far. We'll talk more about the box office and stuff like that. Do you think a Spielberg coming out now, like around Denny's time would be as successful? Like looking at that doc. Um, I I would say yes because of J.J. Abrams. Yeah. I was gonna say that J.J. Yeah, Abrams you know is is our modern day Spielberg. Is our modern I'd day agree. Spielberg for sure. So I I think it, I think the formula can really work, and it, and it's a little bit like, see, Denny is different. Like, I don't think he's really proven to be a commercial success yet. Like he's just very yeah. indie. You know he what I'm saying? Shit, like though. he makes dope tonal films. Um, yeah, he makes like Oscar worthy stuff. Yeah, but they, but it'll be genre stuff at the same time, right? So so like the magnificent thing about Spielberg that they really point out is that how easy it is for him to cross over to do gritty and indie, you know, or or artistic as they would frame it, as it is for him to do blockbuster and commercial. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what makes him sort of that. You know, he's ambidextrous in that in that way. Right. And there's not a lot of filmmakers that fill that void. And and that you know so that was one of the things they really 
they really harped on because he kind of dealt with that, right? Like after he made, um, uh, what was it? He made, um, he made Jaws and he made Close Encounters and he made E.T. Mm-hmm. And I think people were like, I mean, is there, does he have any real depth to him? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think yeah. that was the criticism he was receiving at the time. They were like, yeah, yeah, whatever, this guy. Yeah, and it's crazy for us to think that because yeah. we see the we see his archive, and it's like, obviously he is, but at that and time, that was being questioned. We have to think, too, we were children, so you have to think about the like experiencing those movies as a child. Yeah. But that's what I love about Spielberg. As a, as a person who works in this field and loves this field, what I liked about seeing Spielberg's movies as a child is that they were so like, for lack of a better, they were magical. Mm-hmm. They were the first. They, they still the, are. They were the first time as a kid I was like, I'm watching like literally like movie magic. Yeah. Like it felt like you're watching something you you've never seen before. And I, I think kids now don't experience that. I I don't know. I don't talk to kids, but my kid doesn't. She's we talked about. She's like, a, she's a tough critic. Like uh, every movie now is is you know 150 million has all the CGI in the world. It can solve any problem. I mean that's a blanket statement, but you know what I mean from a technical perspective. Like right. back then, this man he built a dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like so he didn't. Well, they well the animatronic dinosaur. No, and then some of this. There is some animatronic. There are animatronic oh, dinosaurs animatronic? like the close yeah. up of the T Rex and like his eyeballs and stuff. Yeah, that wasn't CGI. Okay. Yeah. The, the raptors, yeah. yeah. Some are, well, it's a did, mixture. He didn't, they, they weren't like, he didn't build like the big, like. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Those no, were no. all computer. And that's that's the misconception. I thought that they, I thought it was all animatronics. I didn't realize. No, I knew it was a mixture. Was computer. No, it, well, for the most part. From what I remember, yeah, I think you, you can pretty much tell though. But there, but like it's in terms of the technology at the time, like it's great. Yeah. Like you watch it and you're just like, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then the movies he was involved in with Back to the Future and. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just you just change your life. Like that's what that's what I'm saying. It, that's my memory for Spielberg is that this is life changing, and it's truly watching movies that are just genuinely magical yeah. in, in their execution. Agree. I, I definitely, I definitely suggest everybody in here watch the full documentary. You'll you'll learn something or be amazed by something. Um, that was that was it for me in terms of like the new shit I've seen. Did y'all see anything? I just Dude. watched the uh, the Def Jam twenty five. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it was good just seeing like everyone kind of come back together and stuff, and mm-hmm. it just made me think of back in the day when I used to kind of sneak, to, uh, you know, watch it and stuff. My parents weren't around, so isn't it amazing how many millionaires Russell Simmons made? I know. Right? I, you know what though? That was the thing though. Like watching that, mind you, I was probably like eight or nine, like sneaking to watch some shit I didn't have any business uh-huh. looking at. Right. Right. So. Um, watching that and just not putting that context around it, even as an adult, that there was a void for urban or black comedians to have a platform and that he did that and like put so many people on. So we know that he did that in music, but to think about like how many careers he jump started in entertainment outside of the music industry, right. it's nuts. And yeah. I and I never thought about it. Yeah, me neither. It, like even to this day, I, I had to see that. I mean, you knew about it in music. Right. Yeah, outside of that, it, until I saw that, I didn't put it together. Martin, I mean, everybody, pretty much yeah, any black a, comedian. Any, yeah, I'd say like p- post Eddie Murphy, like everybody yeah, else. Everybody <laughs> like, else, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Him and Stan Lathan. They had to come through there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like maybe Chris Rock, he's not completely responsible for Chris Rock's career. Because I remember right. the earliest I remember seeing him was like in Living Color. But that all kind of happened for them and him and then SNL. But like outside of that, like everybody yeah. else that I know who's a black comedian, I know them from for sure. From Def Comedy Jam. For sure. 
for sure. But the entire Kings of Comedy, it, like everybody, man, it's crazy. It's I really had forgotten. Crazy. I had completely forgotten that Tiffany Haddish was a stand-up comedian before she was an actress. And then when I saw her on the show, I was like, oh, shit, I remember this bit. Yeah, I, I didn't remember it at all. But that's it was, it was good to see that she did have her roots in stand-up. Well, and, be, and when she came here a few weeks ago, I was like, she does stand-up? Is she funny? Yeah. And then I was, when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, she is funny. Duh. Like, you know, yeah. black don't crack. I forgot she was not that young. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's crazy, man. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I saw um, the Book of Mormon last night. The Book of Mormon, okay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the play by um, South Park guys. Yeah, the South Park yeah. guys. Oh, yeah, and like me, like me and my mom like to go see plays. Like we saw uh, Lupito Nyong'o's play in New York. We saw uh, we like got to sneak into Hamilton and see that. That was really dope. Nice. Um, <laughs> But she's like a very devout Christian, and I took her to see the Book of Mormon. Oh was God, a, that, was a, that was a horrible that idea. Was a mistake. Uh, like I, I didn't know much about it except that like I knew there was gonna be Mormon stuff in it. I knew it was the South Park guys doing it, but like it, was, I thought she was gonna walk out. Dude, they showed Chrissy Downs' dick in the South Park movie. Yeah. What did you think was gonna happen? Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that one, but <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a stretch. I don't know how you could see South Park and. And religion and and not uh you know, Bell, Jesus Christ superstar. Well, that that's the great thing about the play is you think it's just gonna be like a bunch of Mormon jokes. So if you're Christian, you're like, oh, it's just those guys over there. But Shit. like, nah, <laughs> they go in, they go on in you too. They go on, they go in on everybody. So right. But it was it was a really funny play. It was it was hard because I'll be laughing and then I get that look like, what you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> black mom, black mom. Yeah, that's funny, man. Anybody else? Yeah, actually, what you put me on to the confession tapes on Netflix, bruh. Yeah. I And so, like, when you were like, it has the tonality of making a murder, I was like, let me see what you're easy to talk about here. Yep. The very first episode, like, it actually put me in the mind frame of, like, serial. It was yeah. kind of like serial and making a murder at uh-huh. the same time. You're like, what really happened here? And to be honest, that first episode... I just was like, oh, man, like, did they do that? Did they not do it? Yo, like, it's I, hard I was. To tell. It was so hard to tell. Like, yeah. the, like, I could, I definitely see why, you know, the court decision went the way that it went. But I was just like, Yo, and it sucked me right in. Yeah. Like, it only took like five minutes of exposition, and I was like, what happened yeah. here? So. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that 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 story in particular was crazy because it's like you know it's funny it's like I, between those two it's like I looked at the white dude and I was I was like man I feel like he really did it and and then I it's like I felt like the son was part of it too but then when he got his speech like no he didn't he didn't have yeah, nothing to do I was with that. like yo the son didn't have nothing to do with that shit and and I don't think I don't think his friend did either I, I really do think that somebody else got away with it especially when they started talking about the other motives. Of like, well, um, you have to think though, right? Like, they didn't really have any evidence to support that either. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, I it's it's a plausible. Yeah. It's it's just as plausible as what they were trying to say happened with the son and the best friend, but it's it's also just as likely that it's bullshit. So, yeah. I, I, I that's why I was like, hmm. That second one though, with that white guy, like, and his girlfriend, I oh, felt yeah. for him. Yeah. Because I was bad. just like, oh, these dirty fucking cops. But yeah, yeah, yeah. y'all gotta watch confession tapes, man. It's it's really interesting. Like, you yeah, it's just it just shows you a whole other side of the law that I mean, we probably all knew existed. I just don't think they should be allowed to lie to you. I think that that's... Yeah. And me and my friend like had an argument about that. Shout out to her. She's really into true crime. She was like, well, I was like, no, listen, they had this man convinced that he killed somebody. Yeah. It was very obvious that he didn't. And I was like, and that's some bullshit. Don't... Like, they shouldn't be able to lie to you. That's crazy. 
Yeah, so just to sum it up in synopsis, man, basically it's it's probably like five different murders or situations where people people died or whatever. And uh, people get convicted off of confessions. confessions that they had on tape, not really off the hard evidence. Like the hard evidence doesn't necessarily point to them specifically, but strictly like their confession pushed it over the edge. So, and but most of their confessions are like coerced. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And they recanted so, in every situation. Yeah, but it's like it's still the, the confession. Basically, lawyer up. That's like the summation of the entire mm-hmm. show. Is like, mm-hmm. dude, if you ever get into trouble, don't sit, don't even don't, don't apologize. Talk. Don't mm-hmm. take a Coca Cola. Don't do mm-hmm. nothing. Like, don't talk to the police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lawyer the fuck up. Anything you say, again, it will be used it, against straight you. Straight up. Even and if you're not under arrest. And the thing is, people don't realize like you're not obligated to answer questions. Yeah. But they just kind of position themselves to make you feel like that you mm-hmm. had to. You know, obviously that's the whole thing about the and law. And if you're not under arrest, like, they don't have to read you your rights. Yeah. So keep that in mind. But you don't have to answer any questions. You have to obey orders but not answer questions. You right. don't have to talk. So real quick, too, and, and then we can jump off this and get into our show. But you should watch Long Shot. It's a quick, like, 40-minute documentary about this dude in L.A. that got convicted of murder. And he was, you know, his alibi is that he was at a Dodgers game. But nobody could prove that he was at a Dodgers game. And what basically what was happening, it's funny, we were just watching Curb. What basically happens is, and it's a spoiler, but it's good, it's it's still good to watch it. What basically happens is if anybody watches Curb Your Enthusiasm, there was an episode where they did it at Dodger Stadium. Um Larry David picked up like a hooker and if to get in the HOV lane to get the Dodgers <laughs> to bypass the traffic and get in the Dodger Stadium. The same day they were shooting that episode was the day he was there. Oh, my God. And they had to go back to, like, the HBO tapes, and they by, they caught him on tape and to prove that he was there. It was all because HBO was filming Curb Your Enthusiasm. There. How great of them to even help. Like, yeah, yeah it's, I'm it's, surprised even they're like, we're not going through this tape. Like, no, it, it was a great story. Well, I mean, the, the lawyer, his defense lawyer, obviously, was, like, the catalyst for it and was really pushing for it. But, I mean, there was some pushback, you know what I'm saying? But... They had Larry David on the on the on the you know on the documentary too. It's a really good like heartfelt like just showing how things could really line up in your favor, you know, um, or how easily they cannot. You know what I'm saying? Because Jeez. had they not have been filming that episode that day, they would have never had proof. That's when you know you're living right. Yeah. So, so yeah, man. Um, I had two things I saw. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, I saw the Beauty and the Beast. Live action remake. I can't bring myself to watch it. I didn't know it was like the same movie. It's the same as the animated movie. Okay. You know, like singing, dancing. Right. Like, you know, I mean, obviously it's it's longer, but um, I don't know. I just watched. I was kind of bored, and I just watched it. Um, I didn't hate it. The some of the shots with the beast look real janky. Like, <laughs> I mean, like not 2017 special effects. I would have expected. Mm. It was From the full Disney. Bo- it was the full body shots. That were a little weird, but if they did a close up, like a waist up, it, it seemed all right. It was all good. Yeah, um, Luke Evans is Gaston is is perfect casting, mm. but everybody else, I was a little like, eh, whatever. And then I watched a surprise movie that I I really liked was the Lost City of Z. Hmm. Um, Lost City. Oh, that's with um Jax Teller, right? The dude from uh, yeah, Charlie Hunnam. Charlie, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that movie was just like a low budget movie about a guy who went into the jungle, like made by. I, I thought it was really like an indie film. And then to watch it, it was actually like a pretty legit like 
like not epic. That's not really the right word, but a, a movie with some scale to it. With some scale. Yeah, like it was like, oh, they really went to the jungle and filmed, which apparently the jungle was very hospitable to filming conditions. So there's a lot of really cool trivia about the movie if you ever. It's very it. hospitable. Yeah. You mean in hospital? I, in hospital. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Do I was confused by that too. Oh, sorry, sorry. Come here, in Mr. hospital. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's, it's very rattlesnakes move out. The like way. the jungle is like really sucks for filming a movie. Oh, yeah, and yeah, Charlie Hunnam, he got a beetle stuck in his ear, like when he's sleeping overnight. Bruh. Yeah. Fighting inside his ear. They had Bruh. to like they had to blast it out with water. Oh. Like, and they shot on film, which was like. There's nobody in Colombia that knew how to work with film, and and they. Where had, did you watch this? I watched it on Amazon. Amazon, okay. Funny, Amazon the movie about the Amazon. Oh, but it was it was a pretty good movie. Like, it was just about this guy who 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 went to to discover the Amazon, not discover, it, but you know he wanted to like map it and find things. Right. And uh, uh, eventually he. He meets his demise, but it's not a spoiler. Everyone knows that. Oh, it's a true story. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's so. funny. You said he discovered the jungle, and we happened to be recording this on Columbus Day. Well, he didn't discover it. Yeah, of course. We know that. Man, mm-hmm. I looked for my Biggie t-shirt so hard before I came in here, I could not find it. Oh, you're going to wear the yes, only I Christopher we acknowledge. Is Wallace. I'm tired of seeing that and hearing it, but I love it at the same I time. I mean, I, I want one that says the only Christopher we acknowledge is walking, but I can't find it. So. Oh, that's pretty dope. I like that, too, actually. Hey, we can do that for some KMC merch. I like it. Yo, no bullshit. I have good ideas and yeah, whatnot. We gotta cut this out so the people don't hear it first. <laughs> yeah. But um, so yeah, those I saw two no, recent movies. That sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. I gotta check out the Lost. What is it? Lost Lost City of Z. Lost City. Of I would Z, recommend yeah. its viewing. I gotta check that out. Yeah. All right, so guys, real quick, we missed this last episode, but we're gonna uh, our last episode. Shout out to the plug, uh, the It episode. It is doing great in box office. But um, we didn't mention our followers and supporters, which we said that we wanted to make sure that we uh, kind of talk about and give shine to every episode to encourage you guys to interact and to follow and to talk with us about movies. So on SoundCloud, David Ashley, man, who uh, who who goes in depth with uh, things that he loves and hates, man. But we appreciate you. We appreciate your He's engagement. He's a tough cookie, man. But you know what? Yeah. No, he shows up. I'm like, we got comments. I'm like, oh, here goes that guy. Yeah, yeah. It'll be like five comments. But, you know, he listens, man. He's on point. So we appreciate you, David. Um, and then M Laws. Uh, yeah, M Laws, three Zs. Um, she uh, commented on the... Uh, on the power episode we did and she said something about she thinks joseph sakura is a good actor i challenge her on that but uh but i appreciate you uh you know we appreciate you hitting up and commenting on the soundcloud then on instagram some of our uh our biggest (coughs) followers and supporters uh it's me underscore rosa lee l-e-e and uh at laham noir uh my homie from high school that's avon shout out to you avon um and then uh top likers and uh, like in uh, people that are like liked episodes on SoundCloud, we've got Brittany Scott for the Detroit episode and uh, M Laws again on the Power episode, uh, Sinister on the It episode, Alicia Hargett on It, and David Ashley on Insecure. So, again, shout out to you guys for liking, sharing, supporting everything uh, kind of movie critics. You're the, guy, you're the people that keep us going. So, um, let's get into this Blade Runner 2049, guys. You guys already know in the uh, Barbara, like the part in the beginning about spoilers. So, just if I mean just saying the synopsis is probably a spoiler so I would just tell people from now on like go see the movie and come back okay you read the synopsis already no but I mean the less you know about this movie the better it is I I agree real talk there you go 
a young Blade Runner's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. <laughs> Deckard. First of all, that's an ill-ass name. Deckard. Do y'all agree? Yeah, I do, but I guess I wasn't really paying attention when I watched the first one because I was calling him Decker the whole time. And I realized, oh. like, because the sound quality is better in this one. I was like, oh, I haven't The saying. sound quality of the original is awful. It's awful. It is terrible. It is disgustingly terrible. Yeah. But when I when I was listening to this, I was like, oh, shit, I've been thinking his name was Decker like Pete for yeah, the longest Pete time. Decker. Right, right. Deckard. Um, so first question I have for you guys, man, is uh, if we're talking about the not-so-distant future, right, Who's making more progress with artificial intelligence? Is it the Tyrell Corp or is it fucking Skynet Cyberdyne <laughs> from Terminator? Because it seems like they, they just like the between the T-1000s and all the like, obviously, artificial intelligence is like a big deal. Right. But what year who's is doing Judgment it better? Day? Judgment Day passed already, didn't it? Yeah. yeah I don't I mean, I don't I mean, so, I mean obviously canon when it was in the movie. Yeah, I forget. I don't know. I mean, but they're, they're different, though, because Blade Runner is so freaking ambiguous that you don't even really know what the replicants are. Like, they're not really, like, classic androids. Right, right. and they're not they're not really cyborgs either. Yeah. They, they don't, don't start off as people. Yeah, so there's, like, this weird gray area. Like, it's, like, part of it's, like, kind of androidy, and the other half is, like, clony. It's, like, it's like yeah. a biomechanical but they got, life form. But they got bones. Humanoid, yeah. Like, so... But I, that's the whole point. They did that on purpose. So, yeah, well, not... so who does it better than that? Because well, honestly, think, probably. Sorry. Well, no, I think. Um, well, th- I guess this company is the Wallace Company, right? Um, the Wallace Company, yeah. But yeah, I think their their stuff is more commercial, whereas like Skynet is trying to take over the world. Like, Skynet has the benefit of tra- time travel too, so we don't really know oh, yeah, like yeah. when, at what point in history they're coming up with these advances in technology. Good so that's point. not really fair. Good point. I just thought it was an interesting question. I mean, it seems that's like, fair, seems though. Like I mean, fun question. They're like Pepsi and Coke right about now when it comes to, like, artificial intelligence. Well, you know, I mean, with the, the Tyrell Corporation, though, they they made stuff that really looks like human beings, looks, sounds like human beings, whereas, you know, the T-1000s of the world are a little stoic right. in their presentation. I like that Tyrell so. had the forethought to be like, we only going to let you motherfuckers live a little bit of time because you're not going to fuck us up. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. My thing is... If both movies touch on this theme of of you can't really tell what they are, you would think they'd have a way more identifiable feature, right? Than you know, in the first movie they had to do that thirty minute test. Yeah, like really <laughs> yeah. to figure out if you're an android, I got to do a thirty minute test. Yeah, that was like, ridiculous, guys. Yeah, just put a tattoo I mean, I, on their hand or something. Well, they did. They did a better job to be able to identify them in this updated version. I would say with the whole like I don't have to like look into your eye with a whole microscope. I can just look at it. But, right. I, I'm curious, like, other than it, it moving the story along, like, why they would make them so hard to identify. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, why? Like, well, you've there's obvious problems. With this. Well, I, I think that's the I think that's the whole thing about the iteration of different versions. It's yeah, like yeah. you do stuff and then you realize, oh shit, like we can't tell who's who, so we need to fix that problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I you know I guess that's really technology. It's like it, you know the first few are beta tests and then you figure it out. Yeah, but my iPhone doesn't fight back when it. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, but, you know, I've got three words for you. Yeah. In app purchase, yeah. <laughs> you buy these apps and they fucking fight in your credit card. Um, uh, so 
how does this how does Blade Runner two thousand forty nine, which is it is is it is a sequel to Blade Runner, right? Yes. 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 Okay, just making sure we're on the same page about that for anybody who didn't know. Um, it's how, a sequel, but it can be a standalone movie. Like you don't really need to watch the first one again. Yeah, it. they pretty much sum up the first one in like the whole prologue shit. Yeah. yeah, you know, so yeah, that's absolutely right. Which to me is a great quality of a good sequel mm-hmm. is that it's a standalone. You know what I'm saying? So I think that actually is a, a big benefit. Um, but um, how does this rank on y'all know how I feel about Denny? How does this rank on his whole American film catalog? So when we talk about his American films, it's Prisoner, Sicario, Arrival, and now Blade Runner. Mm. I do think it's close. It, it's it's farther to the bottom for me in terms really? of, of the quality of the story. Mm-hmm. I think his other movies had they were stronger storytelling there with Prisoners and Sicario. Right. But this movie is his best shot movie, in my opinion. From it's a best, technical perspective. From a technical like perspective, it. it's his best looking film. Mm. Okay. So, Honestly, it's top three to me. Like I'll say, Sicario, Arrival, and this. Okay. See, I'm more prisoners, Sicario. Then, so I'd be three for me because Arrival's cool, but Arrival, Arrival's cool. Uh, so I, I didn't like Sicario. I did like Prisoners a lot, but it was it was slow for me. So I. I would put Arrival, and then I would say Blade Runner and Prisoners was like about the same for me. Mm. I did not like Sicario. Mm. That's interesting. I I don't get how y'all didn't like it. Well, I I think kind of like what you were saying. Like I feel like for me, it's kind of hard to get into his films because they're kind of slow, too slow uh, at some point. And then I feel like they're also really subdued as well, like tonally. Like you really have to be sitting there waiting for something to pop off the whole time. And sometimes I feel like that wait's just too long and mm. I just kind of lose interest. Mm, okay. I would say with this one, this one had the like the least amount of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I still feel like for an um, action movie sci-fi it is slow. Yeah. But and I feel like when I compare it to the older one, even in the uh, the first Blade Runner, um I felt like it was kind of slow, but it kept my interest a little bit more than this one oh, did. But really? I, oh really? Oh yeah. The first the, okay. Well, I'll get there, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> the original Blade Runner to me is Snooze Fest 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me a couple times to get through it, the, you know, the first time I watched it, but I still feel like it had a little bit more edge to it than this one did. Mm. When you say edge, do you mean grit? Um, grit, yeah, and I felt like the world was a lot fuller in the older version than in this one. I feel like this world felt a lot more empty. Yeah, mm. there wasn't as much. Um, when I when I saw that the budget was 185 million, I'm like, damn, what the hell they spend it on? Because there wasn't a lot of extras in the background or anything. Yeah, that's a good question. Probably Harrison Ford. Apparently, probably he gets like 25 million a movie. I think so, it's yeah. also like the sets. It's like I think he tried to be as practical as possible yeah. and mix it with CGI. Like it's a gorgeous film. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Agreed. Yeah, for me, it's kind of hard to rank it too. I mean, I, Arrival's number one for me with Denny, mm-hmm. and then um, it's a cl- it's a close second between Prisoners and Sicario. So I, I guess Blade Runner by default would be at the bottom, but that's not that's only because you're putting a gun to my well, head. Enemy because you love Denny. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> enemy would be at the bottom. Well, no, that, I never that's, saw well, he, that was he. That was his. That was Canadian too. He did. Oh, he yeah. produced that in Canada and everything. So, oh. so I, yeah, I didn't include Enemy, um, just because of that fact. But well, Cindy's too. That's like that's definitely yeah, that was that was boat. that wasn't even in English. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So we were just talking about his American films, but, um, 
Um, so yeah, man. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a bad Jay Z album to me, right? So it's hard to rank it. Um, cinematography. What? What? Yeah, I'm just laughing at your Jay Z reference. But no, I totally get that. I yeah. agree. Like like even when it's bad, it's still kind of good. Yeah, it's better than the average. You know, it's better than Woody Allen. Like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to rank one last. Yeah, right? you just have to. It, it, it would be Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It would be Blade by deep, probably more so because it's from a, a piece of source material. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 following something up. So you know, the the other ones were a little bit more original content, if not completely original. So. Um, so cinematography, right? Blade, the first Blade Runner, we've got Jordan Cronenweth, and then this one, Roger Deakins. You talk about the world, Jesse, you mm-hmm. know, do you feel like cinematography played a big part in the creation or the, the feel of how you felt about the world? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like in the, in the first one, there was, there was more atmospherics. There was more like light bleeding and stuff like that. And the fact that everything was practical, uh, what was more practical um, back then, I feel like that kind of had an appeal to it that I really liked. Um, and then in this newer one, I felt like everything was cleaner, like too clean to the point where, I don't know, I feel like I kind of disassociated with it a little bit. Well, do you attribute that to the the actual movie world being 30 years later, things being a little bit more efficient technologically? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if you're still kind of building off of that future that they kind of already set up, I still feel like the world should still be densely populated. And then that was another thing that kind of threw me off a little bit was because I feel like in 2049, the world's not really going to look like that. Huh? Well, I, I, like, with, like with, with the rate we're kind of going at, I mean, I feel like back in the 80s when you're thinking way up to 2020 or whatever like that, it was more of a... I guess a gap because we didn't know what things were going to look like, but I just felt like now I don't feel like we're going to be at that point. So well, it, I think to me, it's mm-hmm. it's a continuation of the original Blade one. It's not really a continuation of our timeline. Or like, I was about to say because the original took place, I think, in two thousand seventeen. No, two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. However, yeah. the um. One of the androids was born this year. Yeah. He was oh. like, my birthday is April 10th, 2017. <laughs> so, like, in the original came out in 82. So that's, what, 40? The, the movie is 35 40, years. 35 years. No, mm-hmm. I'm saying the world is 40 years ahead from 1982. Mm-hmm. And then now, for us, 2049. No, the, the world, we're in 2017. Yeah. 82 is 35 years. No, no, no. What I'm saying is... He's. You're saying from the perspective of somebody from the 80s, okay. thinking about how Blade Runner, how the world looked. So in 2019, that would place roughly 40 years from someone in the 80s, right? Okay. And then this movie is now 30, probably about 30 years into the future. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like from now, yeah. From now, so mm-hmm. like I mean, oh, I, I, I can't. What, what I'm saying is I can't blame them for thinking that way, like because the time is the same the mm-hmm. same the time gap is still kind of the same uh, you know what it made me think about like orwell's 1984 like what yeah. how far they thought technology would go in that short of a span which is interesting it says a lot about the ways that we think about human innovation and how much we think of ourselves and our ability to create right um which you know we've got pretty much everything the jetsons have except you know we have an atmosphere and we live <laughs> kind of yeah, <laughs> and our cars don't fly yet, yeah, but, yet right. but but pretty much everything else so um but think about how long it took when the jetsons actually came out to where we have all that technology mm-hmm. yeah i would you know what i always wonder does art imitate life in that 
in that regard? Like, do we ach- try to achieve things because we see it on television? Does yeah. life imitate art? Yeah. Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's some weird cyclical thing, you know. But well, chicken or egg, yeah. yeah. You're a shoe expert. You know about, like, the the Nikes, the... Um, the Air Max. The, yeah, the, yeah. The Back to the Future Nike joints, yeah. like, they actually created them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. that's a clear example of life imitating art, right? Yeah. Yeah, but also, too, I mean, it's... It, the desire to make something, to see into the future is, and be creative is something that is shared across many types of artists. Right. So if you're an inventor... I'm sure you, you know, an inventor in the 1930s thought it'd be really cool to have video phones, you know what I mean? Right. And then eventually they got it into a movie. So, I mean, it's like, I don't doubt the ability to to dream a little bit is, it's a shared thing. Right. I mean, if you think about Back to the Future, they have the the hologram, like the the VR glasses too Mm -hmm. in that Uh movie, like. Right. And I'm sure the technology to make that has existed a long time ago, but did people really want it? Yeah, those hoverboards exist too. I mean, I think they're like magnets and stuff that you put down, but mm. like they exist. Interesting. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, me neither. Um, I want to see that. Yeah, there's one of Tony Hawk like flying around on it. <laughs> yeah, real talk. No, I've mm-hmm. seen that, but that's mm-hmm. them just tricking you with the harness from the movie. Yeah. No, no, no. It was like he was like that high off the ground. Oh, it, no, it it's a different like, one. Yeah, it didn't look like it in Back to the Future. It was like a big old clunky thing, and it just went about like an inch off the ground. I still want to see it. Mm, I yeah, I want to see it. Me too. I want to ride one. Shit. Yeah, that'd be fly. <laughs> um, so, so you feel like Jesse? You feel like the the cinematography from the original? Um, I appreciated it more. More, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also because we probably didn't back then. You know, you didn't see the future represented like that back then. I feel like now that we have so much CG now, I feel like this movie really didn't add too much to it, but it did kind of keep some of those, that beautiful aesthetic that you kind of got in the old one and kind of updated yeah. it a little bit. No, I agree, man. I always reference the era that we're in as like post-Matrix society mm-hmm. when it comes to like sci-fi. And and unfortunately, that's when I saw Blade Runner was post-Matrix. Mm-hmm. So nothing about it really impresses me, but I, but I do understand how, I do see the influence that that movie has probably made on a lot of our science fiction mm-hmm. going forward to get to that point. I can see how that could be, you know, close to the Genesis. So I appreciate it for that. Um, um, I, shit, man, I feel like the, the cinematography in this one and in, in 2049 just far surpasses like the things they were doing with light, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the scale of it is like you said, you say the world feels more hollow. I can agree with you there, but it feels more massive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like we explored more of the wor- more dimensions of this world in in Blade Runner 2049 than we did in the 82 version. Yeah, I don't feel like they left like a three mile radius in that movie. Right. But to your point about the world seeming hollow, I think they kind of set you up for that in the first one because people left on Earth at that point mm-hmm. were like people who were defective and you were either poor or there was something physically wrong with you and you weren't allowed to go with the rest of the population off the planet. Right. So it would make sense to me that there would be fewer people exactly. on Earth because they're the people that they don't want to mix with genetically. Hmm. Yeah. So I think they don't leave LA because there's nothing else left. <laughs> I think well, that's they, the other aspect. They go to Vegas it. in this one, though. No. But it was nuked. He was the only, It was destroyed. Mm. That's why, remember they had to check for life they had to scan. Yeah, because it was the radiation. Decker, yeah, they were like, "Where would Decker be hiding out at?" And he's hiding in a nuked Las Vegas. Mm. Yeah, um, 
And also, I think, like, there's a lot of environmental stuff that's, like, below the seams, like, that you, they don't really speak on it, but it's clearly happening. Right. Like, I think the water might be, like, somewhat toxic because they have this, like, huge wall to keep out, like, all this water. Mm. Oh. I thought that was because of sea rise or something. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. It could be all of those things. There's a lot of things in these, both films that they don't tell you, which is, like, the the inner part of you that's, like, I want to know. I want to know, but then they don't tell you. Well, I, I like. I appreciate it to some yeah, degree. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. There's so many things about both films that they don't tell you. Lizzie says she has a theory though. What? I don't. I don't think that we need a another Blade Runner after this, but I think a prequel to the first one would be good. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. To see how we got. Here. Yeah, I, to see them like with the with the replicants enslaved and all that kind of all stuff. Right. Like, I'd like to see that. Hmm. I Maybe at the story of like the uprising, like off off world. Oh, right. I would like to see that. Yeah. I don't. I don't really care about what happens Deckard after this. But agreed. Yeah. <laughs> um, agreed. Or to Kay. I don't really care what happens to them. Um, or to Jerry. I don't care about anybody. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I mean, I just, I just don't. I feel like they, they kind of. They left room for the story to go on, but I don't really care. They tied up all the loose ends that you have there, so you don't you're not left with any wonders. Right. But at the same time, like I don't care enough about the characters for them to continue to live on. I'm satisfied with where they ended, but I I actually in this series, like you know me, I'm, I'm empathizing with the replicants, right? Because obviously there's like a social message there. A hundred percent. And social. so. Um, I want I want to know more about them and their experience, and I think that there's a lot of room for that. Mm. Do we feel like Westworld is the prequel to uh, <laughs> Jurassic West- Park? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, I'm so ready for that to come back. Mm. Um, I think Westworld even like I I care about the droids in Westworld way less than I care about them in this universe. Care about the droids in Westworld. Less. I care about them way less way than less. I care about the replicants in the Blade Runner universe. Okay. So that, okay. Maybe is that a product because that we we know that they are like we we've seen what the androids in Westworld are. They're computers. Yeah, yeah we've seen it. Whereas, replicants are not computers. Well, there's still like this ambiguous gray area of like what they are, right? Because they won't fucking tell us. Right, right. They won't tell us. And they're like expendable too. Like the uh, who was the guy who dies like every episode? A bunch oh, of them die yeah, every episode yeah, in Westworld. Yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, dude with Cyclops. Like yeah. Oh yeah, like the uh, the guy with Cyclops. I guess I, I empathize with Jeffrey Wright. Like when he's finding out he's a host. Mm-hmm. What my Westworld spoilers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, if you haven't if seen that by now, like go away. But do you think too that the cinematography? I felt like every. I felt like the director and the cinematographer lined up well. What I was worried about was that this film was going to come out and it was going to be just dramatically different than the original in tone and its sensibility. So you know, I I didn't even have that worry because mm-hmm. of because of Denny's history. And Denny I, provided some confidence. Yeah, he. I mean, I think I think this is his space. That mm-hmm. dark. But yet, sort of colorful, you know, that's his space. And, mm-hmm. and we were able to really see that with Arrival, yeah. to me. Um, I agree. So, yeah, so I, I, I knew he was going to handle that properly. I, You know, I was looking at it, I was looking at it like, um, and then, you know, Roger Deakins, man, he's like, when it comes to landscape, I can't think of a better cinematographer when it comes to landscapes than, than Roger Deakins, modern. Um, my, I was on the edge 
and just wondering what from the original he was going to keep and what was he going to make better. Mm-hmm. Because it was it's clear to me, you know, when you watch the original, it needs improvement. It needs improvement for, you know, for today. But there were things that were extremely effective in the original, like the like the uh, the sound design and or like the, you know, sort of the ominous scoring that, score, that was yeah, happening yeah. with it. The synthesizers and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that was very. I think that that kept the tonality there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he and yeah. he and that carried over to this one, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, and I, I was kind of surprised that Hans Zimmer did the score for the new Blade Runner. And he it, did for the old one, too. Oh, for real? Yeah. I thought it was the Vangelis. I thought they were the ones who did the so, synthesizer music for the old one. Oh, you know what? You might be right. You might be right. Because I, I, I think I, that they called Hans Zimmer in to replace someone on this one. Uh, to replace someone? Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. Fun fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun <laughs> fact. The original is listed as a guy named Vangelis. Yeah, yeah the Vangelis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vangelis. Oh, uh, uh, okay. I, for some reason, I thought Hans Zimmer was a, was affiliated with the I original mean, as well. That's hard mm. to make that. Assu- it's not hard to make that assumption. That, yeah. That's a logical step. Right, we right. Admit. Yeah, well, I mean, they provided such a great base coat. I think, I think, I'm sure in the pre-production meetings and the previs for this, people probably sat down with checklists and said, okay, we cannot change this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just certain things that we cannot change or we're going to get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. And and the music had to be one of them. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like he didn't even try to add some of his own flair in there. Like that was right. straight from the old movies. Which which is, you know, you got to suppress your ego, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, that's really dope. Um, what do you think about the cinematography this go around, Martin? Um, I loved it. Like, this is probably one of my favorite, like, I mean, it's not going to get blockbuster money, but it's probably, like, one of my favorite blockbuster films of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a lot of that is the cinematography. Like, it feels like an art film. It doesn't feel like like a Marvel movie or something like that, even she though it has, said, like, yeah. a Marvel movie budget. And right. that's kind of a problem I have with some Marvel movies is something like Cap 2 or something that has two-thirds of it that is, like, this really great, like, political thriller and the last third, it's like, let's do a bunch of explosions. And I love this film because it's like, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay an art film throughout the entire thing. Well, when when you look at the box office results, you can almost see why they do that, though. Yeah, because exactly. Because, uh, you know, what we're this is what, Monday? And we're talking about it hasn't even broken $40 million yet. Yeesh. All right. It hasn't broken $40 million and it had a $185 million budget. So I think it's safe to say it's probably not going to make it back in definitely not domestic it's not going to make it back well it hasn't gone overseas to like china and japan yet yeah so i mean of course there's like a lot of chinese influence on this film yeah but there's not like a lot of chinese characters so i don't know how it's going how that's going to play out yeah Yeah. that's a very good point that's something i thought was interesting too right so you know the prediction is the way of this country will go at a certain point and obviously they've broken away from from our actual universe but that will be mostly people of color in this country after 2042. Right. And I did not see that reflected yeah. there. So I thought that was really interesting. I'm curious if, like, most of the people of color left to go, you know, off planet. How Like, I, that's why I want to know so bad, like, what happened mm-hmm. in between. Well, mm-hmm. I think Looney James is in there. Um, I think Barkad, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, dude from uh, the Cap- the Captain movie. Okay. Um, and of course, uh, Batista's in there. There's people of color, but actually, women of color is like I don't really. There was yeah. one, one of the hookers. Of oh yeah, the, well, the pleasure, the pleasure. Was she a pleasure model? <laughs> well, ple- yeah. Pleasure bot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was cool seeing the dude from Captain Philip. 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but yeah, he was. He yeah. was a cool, cool I was little gym. Like, Look at you. Yeah. Made me think about Cardi B. I got a bag to fix my, my teeth. teeth. <laughs> you know, it ain't cheap. Uh, Edward uh, James almost scene was cool too, because I was like, oh shit, like, like he brought him back. Yeah. I was just glad I to see him. I appreciated that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna add on to the cinematography too. Is that um, Deacon's? You know, he shot Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Which to me was financially and artistically proof that you know you can be artistic and make a billion dollar film, well, or well, and, that's, and that's make a movie. It's a and sequel to like it's like a there's a there's oh. several generations of. Fans. I get that. I mean, there is built in fans, yeah. but it's it's I don't know. I like him as a cinematographer, so like, and I'm glad to see the way he does things in movies. And it sucks because this movie isn't probably going to do well, and that means people didn't see it, so they don't get to experience it. Yeah. So I think he is truly, like, he really brings something to films. Every film he's in, it has this thing about it that makes it different. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure his his pay his pay scale isn't, and isn't hindered on box office return. Mm-hmm. You of know, course. I mean, he's a, there's only a handful of people that can do what he does or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some of these other top tier, you know, a DPs that have, you know, that are mm-hmm. been in the game 30 plus years, you know what I mean? So, um, and then I, cinematographers don't strike me as the people that care about how many people see the film anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, they care about the experience that you get when you see the film, you know, yeah. um, you know, what did we add to the texture of this and, and to the, to the element of storytelling? So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, I don't know. There's so many things that the time of release um, you you brought up a good point. It being almost a three hour long film that that mm-hmm. automatically you know probably cuts how many times you can show it by the, at least thirty three percent just by mm-hmm. general math. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, people they can't show it, and then there are, there are people who really just look at the Yelp or not the Yelp, but the the tomatoes. tomatoes, and they go two and hours and forty five minutes. Oh, yeah. fuck that! I'm not doing. I'm not going to that. Yeah. Like, and and it sucks. People suck because it's like go to see the movie. I think mm-hmm. that the problem honestly is not that i think that people will sit for a long movie if they care about the movie i've i sat through a a harry potter movie where we had to take a pee break in the middle of it right. but people care about that universe i don't think people care about yeah. the blade runner universe and that's the problem because I, another article i read was like you know if your average movie goer for that demographic is what 18 to probably 30 what, for, for for Blade Runner, Runner? I, I, no, it was it was way yeah, older. There was way. like fifty year olds in the in the theater with well, me. Well, yeah. what I'm saying is like you're, but who makes up a bulk of a lot of spending is that younger demographic. Oh, like they, I see what you're saying. Movie goers. The, the original movie is 35 years old. Right. That's a long time ago. Right. Like, yeah, they so did, I get it. They did terrible in like the 25 and under uh, yeah. demographic. I can see that yeah. because when we were 25 and under, I mean, that's like having a sequel to a movie in the 60s. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yeah. Do you really want to see that? Real talk. There's been so much. I mean, time and it didn't on. work with Tron, so I don't. That's weird. I like Tron yeah. too. I like Tron. Well, too. It, well, yeah. It, it, to me, it just seemed like they're banking, like, like we're pretty much saying, reiterating, they're banking too much on the cult following, as opposed to like because there's not a lot of like marketing with it. It's real subtle, and they forgot to market the film. Yeah, At the end of the day, yeah. eighteen to twenty-five year olds. So let me they, ask they Didn't this. see the original. Do you think that it would have made more sense to go the route of it to reboot it first? Instead of a sequel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the I thing, that. that's what I was telling you. That's the thing. Like, it was super old, too. But the thing with it was, like, you're reintroducing it to a new generation as opposed to continuing the story and expecting people to care. 
Well, uh, see, here's the thing. I don't think they I don't think they leaned much on it being a sequel. I think that's the whole point of saying 2049. No, right? I mean I totally agree, and that's but that's after I've seen the film. Y- yeah, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I because I, I, I don't feel like it's as as accessible of a film as it. But I think that if you just repackaged it, people would care. Yeah. Well, if if you're going to repackage it, I mean, even with it, right, like, even with it, there was a lot of, like, they took a lot of the marketing strategy to real life, you know, red balloons hanging, you know, making mm. people ask questions. It's like, you, there, there's nothing like that for Blade Runner. So you, um, so you think that the movie wasn't promoted enough? I just, yeah. That I, they relied too heavily on the, the, on the, cult. the, the, nostalgia. the nostalgia. Yeah, and the nostalgia. And, it, it and, failed. and not realizing that you have to re-explain the nostalgia. You know, yeah. you have to sort of re-stimulate that because otherwise... Even the 13-year-olds that watch that are... Yeah. They're old. Because it's a great story. And it's... And I mean, you talk about... Thing, you're talking about basically technology, you know... This is, I mean, this is a this is a but subject it, matter that we've seen in so many different realms, and it is. But it, in the way in the way that Blade Runner sets at the universe, I think is very socially relevant now, mm-hmm. and I don't think the film gets enough credit for that. Yeah, well, of course, yeah, yeah, agree, agree. But people got to see it and make that correlation too, and it's just not enough people seeing. It. And I don't even know, like, even watching the original, I don't know that people got that messaging from it either. For it to be like a thing that people would care about in that way. Oh so. well, yeah, in '82, I don't see too many people caring. Yeah. I definitely picked up on it though. It's immediately apparent that there's there's a deeper meaning there. Like, it's not like it's not super. Um, you know, subterranean or anything. It's just a, it's just a matter of like, are you keyed into that kind of thing? Are you right. keyed into that kind of messaging? I think people are way more keyed into it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To Agreed. say like, this is what what someone is trying to say, but from a social perspective, like the inform- what they're sharing is super relevant. But right. again, like you have to be there to care. Well, it, it seems like they're putting a lot of stock just in ambiguity. Period. Right. We the replicants. Right. We don't know. You know, there's ambiguity when you talk about the replicants. There's ambiguity when you talk about the marketing strategy. Like maybe this is just what they want. It's just we don't want to force anything in any direction. Like if you fuck with it, you fuck with it. Come come attend. If you know, if you you know or you know you have a theory about Deckard being a replicant or not. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I guess they're just not putting too much stock in either left or right. Maybe that's the whole strategy. So that's a good segue because I I saw that. Why, I, let me trans, be transparent. I had seen parts of Blade Runner up until like, I shout out to Treasy for having all the DVDs. But yeah. I had seen parts of it, but I'd never watched it all the way through. And even, and I watched it twice. I watched it once before I went and I watched it again when I came back to see if I had missed some things. Mm-hmm. And... This whole theory that Deckard is a replicant, like, where does that even come from? Um, There's mean, a couple little clues a in the original. Yeah, the uh, unicorn. The, the unicorn mm-hmm. references the eyes, the, you know, the 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 lights in the eyes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think, too, it's just, I think that might have been just a thing that ran, people ran with it. You know, and, and you you had a choice to, and you had thirty five years to you know embrace to think it. about it. Yeah. Well, well the, Ridley, he said he is a replicant. Ridley but Harrison has gone on like, record saying he is. Oh, a he's not a replicant. Yeah. Mm. That he is or is not. Is not. Harrison Ford said he's not a replicant. Harrison yeah. Ford said he's not, but Ridley said he is. Yeah. And the writer of the film said he wasn't either. And I think in the book, it's he's not either. So Ridley's the only one saying he is. 
which I think I I interpret that as kind of a cop out. I think in that universe, it would not make sense that he is a replicant. But to your point, though, some things that he said to Rachel's character, and he was like, she doesn't know she's a replicant. That's why she's able to right. to behave this way. And so mm-hmm. I guess maybe that's a that's supposed to make you think that he might be. But my thing with that is like even during that time, like up until Rachel supposedly. They all had limited lifespans, so that didn't even make sense. Like well, she was special. Yeah, she was special. Was I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that's why they could. Because the I mean, Nexus, are we spoiling it now? Yeah, the Nexus yeah. Eights like they could live for a long time. They have like a, a whole detailed like life. She's a Nexus Eight. Yeah, and the and the replicants are chasing in the first or Generation Six. six. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm to me it it, it makes it more. It makes more sense when you talk about the symbolism. It makes more sense for him to be a replicant than him to not be. You know, new technology always wipes out older technology. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like that's just the way I'm viewing it from the from the. If we're talking about, if we're talking about, so so if we're if we're spoiling the new one now, are we spoiling the new one now? uh, We spoiled Uh, it since the show came. We haven't really talked about what the plot of the movie is, though. Okay, we've we've talked about cinematography in the universe and like where we are, but not really what happens in the movie. So, I mean, if we're gonna dig into the meat of that, like they don't make it immediately apparent that Kay is a replicant, um, Ryan Gosling's character. Well, no, they no, they, they tell you in the they first did it right scene. off the rip. No, they in tell the you in they tell yeah. you in the first scene, but it's not the very first thing that they tell you. They tell you like at the point where he's like killing him, which is like fifteen minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. it's so. no, it's in the beginning, but it's not. It's not something you know about the character from the trailer, like yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like it, 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 it yeah, is yeah. a reveal. That's what I'm saying. Right. Um, and to think about, I mean, you, I, you know me. Things can be deep to me. Question <laughs> <laughs> trees, if you like, shut up. But, <laughs> but I think I think like the message that you said, like new technology always wipes out old technology, and that they would then make Blade Runners replicants because then the guilt associated with what they're doing to these creatures, they're re- removed from it. Cause it's like, oh, well you're doing it to yourself. And they set all the pieces in motion for these things to exist. And then they discard them when they feel they're no longer useful. Right. I think that that's a clear message about slavery <laughs> because they are slaves, right? 100%. Yeah. To say yeah. like, okay, you're not useful to me in this way anymore. And so like, go away. Um, but, but to your point though, like it would make sense in that way, like knowing what the continuation is and then, we find out, and okay, this is the thing about this movie that, like, like I had like warm fuzzies about that really also kind of irked me. After the first reveal that he's a a, a replicant, like after that, like I saw everything else coming, like completely. Mm-hmm. When they found the bones with the dark hair, I was like, oh, that's Rachel. I didn't yeah. know that she was gonna be like, oh, Rachel had had a child, right? To me, it would make sense, right, that he's that that um, Deckard is a replicant because I can't understand how human DNA would be able to to combine with the replicant to make a new being. And then yeah. what is that new being? Is a new being also a replicant? Is it a human? Because we don't know what the replicants are, right? Right. right. They keep saying we're not computers. Well, what are you? Like, you know what I'm saying? So right. all of all of that can fit together in that way. And it's all very confusing. But at the same time, they telegraph the shit out of everything that was happening. Mm. Well, I thought, actually, I was surprised by like the reveal at the end that uh, he has a daughter. Like, cause, oh, I like, mean, it didn't surprise me Trezzy at was all. was telling me like in the movie theater, it was like, yo, I think he's the son or whatever. And we were thinking that the entire time. Yeah, mm. we were. Yeah. But but when I when I think about it, though, that was one that was a very premature, like, <laughs> you know, because they, they laid it up so good. And, and that's the one thing about Denny, right? Is like, 
he he does really good in misdirection. At, yeah, in misdirection. So I I should have known right off the rip that that was once they introduced misdirection. The, when that once they introduced that there was a female with the same DNA, I thought that's not it's not him. Yeah, there's something else going on that you're not seeing. Mm. I hated the way that they explained it, <laughs> but I I and and then to to introduce the character to say like are your memories real or whatever. They put a lot of significance around her origin story, and then she kind of disappears. I'm like, she's important. Mm. Um, and at first, I was thinking that love may have been the other replicant, and then I was like, at, like at a certain point when they were fighting, I was like, no, it's it's that girl. Mm. Okay, well, can't get again, can't get much past Lizzie. What, how about you, Jesse? Was it pretty obvious to you? Was it telegraphed? Um, not really. I mean, I kind of thought the same thing you did. I thought, um. Uh, Ryan Gosling's character was gonna be the the son or whatever, but that was too easy. It's too easy. Yeah. I'm with yeah. it's too it was too easy. easy. I was yeah. like, nah, this ain't how this works. Yeah, it's too easy. To be fair though, even though I'm sitting there saying like this is what's about to happen, I wasn't mad. Like I wasn't mad that I figured it out. I really liked the movie. I really liked it a lot more than I liked the first one. Mm-hmm. But it that's just kind of like I'm not mad at it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of like oh, there's my nostalgia. Like and I feel like I know what's gonna happen. Because but, I have the exposition from the first movie. Right, but it didn't spoil the journey or nothing mm-mm, like that. For not you. at all. I wanted to know how we were going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can agree there. Um, um, so, the, the, and I didn't know this until you talked about it, Martin. There was three short films that I guess were done before the release of this. Yeah, um, Luke Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's son, did one. Um, I don't know his first name, Watanabe. He he's done two of my favorite anime, uh, Samurai Champloo and Cowboy Bebop. And Cowboy Bebop kind of feels very um, influenced by Blade Runner. It's it actually like the last shot of um, well, not the last shot, but one of the last shots of Blade Runner. This Blade Runner movie is kind of very similar to a shot in a uh, Cowboy Bebop mm. that I love. So, oh. so so talk about what these three films were for for the people that aren't familiar with it. Um, one is a film, just like a short film with Jared Leto, and he's ba- like, so the replicants have been outlawed, right? So he takes a replicant, he builds like a new replicant, and he takes them before the board to show them that like they are obedient and they can't hurt humans. Um, because before that, like in the anime, basically two replicants had to st- like set off a bomb that erased all the records of who's a replicant and who's not a replicant. So people don't know. Um and like the scene the uh the blackout they were yeah to the, the blackout, blackout. but yeah the Jared Leto scene is basically like a very similar scene to um Westworld where he's like cutting the um he's cutting the host mm-hmm. like he basically cuts the uh replicant and makes him kill himself mm-hmm. to show that like he's like completely obedient even though he's like sentient at the same time and doesn't want to kill himself right um and then there's a third one with Batista where it's basically about how he gets found out as a replicant. Like, mm-hmm. he tries to protect a, a girl, um, and which has more significance in Blade One in 2049, because, you know, he obviously knows, like, there's a girl. He's part of the conspiracy. Right. Um, but she's about to be, like, taken by some criminals, and he, like, shows that he's a replicant by being way stronger than everybody else. And actually, that first scene in um, Blade One in 2049, that was supposed to be the first scene of, like, Blade Runner. Yeah, I read that, too. Yeah, but they I, I like the anime one a lot, probably the most. Um, and the other ones were cool. It was just cool seeing Dave Batista get more stuff to do because I think he's 
he's picking really great projects. I don't right. know who his agent is, but he's he's doing his thing. Agreed. So do you feel like um, those three films are to help sort of like cover some of the synapse between the 30-year span in this world? Yeah, it, it explains stuff a lot more. It explains why there's not a Tyrell Corporation anymore. Um, it explains why like Blade Runners are like hunting down um, replicants. Um, and it, it gives you like the origin for Dave Bautista. Mm. But I think they're all they're all decent. I like the anime one the best okay. though. And, and nobody else saw the film. Oh, I watched them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you watched mm-hmm. them too. Okay. Where are okay. they available? I I read about they them. They were but I released seen them. online. I, I couldn't YouTube. tell. You. Yeah. On YouTube. Okay, yeah. cool. They're cool. They're all like eight minutes long, something or less, give or take. Gotta check that out. Because the one that I think was referenced the most was the animated one, though. Animated? Because it, it, it's the blackout that they refer to in mm-hmm. the film, and it explains what the blackout was. Right. So, so basically, it was the, it, to erase the records of who was replicant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they set up a bomb, uh, like an EMP, magnetic right. pulse, and it killed all the power, and it erased every hard drive in the Los Angeles area. So you they know, didn't have backups, apparently. You know, it's so crazy, man. <laughs> like off-site at all. Yeah, other planets. Like, yeah, a whole other planet. No backup. But every few months, I have to reference this movie, man, because there's always something that comes up that makes me realize that this movie was trying to do a lot of that without um, sort of the exterior of it. But Fight Club, mm. Fight Club is so much like so much like this, you know. About it. I mean, going I, into I it watch is. Fight Club. Probably a good twenty times, and I see something that I haven't seen before every yeah. single time I watch it, or something that he says resonates with me in a different way mm-hmm. than what I've seen before. Fight Club is amazing. This is truly ahead of his time in terms of like Fight Club's great. Yeah, it's true. Want an Oscar? Yeah, that that was an amazing film. But sorry to, I mean, Jared Leto's in that too. So if we want to make it relevant, somehow. Jared Leto is the shit on the low. Not even on the low, like. Jordan Catalano is the shit. Like, I don't even care. Like, uh, uh, and when I went to see the movie, the person that I went to see it, I was like, I'm just really geeked right now because I love Denis, I love Harrison Ford, I love Ryan Gosling, and I love Jerry Leto. Like, don't talk to me. Yeah. This is my shit. <laughs> so there was, I don't know how this movie could have been fucked up for me. It, it couldn't have been. There's so many things that I love in it. Right. I'm with you. Like, I was sold from the beginning. Yeah. I, I was like, man, there's just so many things. It could be, it didn't even have to be Blade Runner. I mean, it's something totally different. As soon as I saw the trailer and it said directed by Denny Villanueva, I was like, yeah. yo, I'm in. Oh, <laughs> no, That's pretty much. Like, yeah. I, I, I will watch it. Like, I'm like that with Tom Ford now. Like, oh, Tom Ford directed something. Yeah, I'm fucking Ford, watching yeah, it. He does cool stuff. Tom Ford is, yeah. I still, I have to see the original one that you were talking about, but. A Serious was, Man? Yeah. A ser- Very good. No, a, a Single Man. A Single Man. Yeah, serious man, that's Colin Brothers. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, Colin Firth, who's dope. Mm-hmm. Colin yeah. Firth. Um, so what what elements? Okay, so we talked about things that were improved. Uh, some of the things that were improved from the original to the sequel. What are some of the things that, like, was there, or if if there was anything that they could have bought along to make the sequel a little bit better from the original. Did you guys catch anything that, that made you feel that way? No. I think the whole movie was, you know, it was it, it moved the story in a different direction, but it in a way it, it had remake qualities to it, mm-hmm. you know, what they what they were trying to do. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think they missed anything from the previous films. If anything, we're we're talking about how we wanted more. Okay. So is that pretty much the sentiment across the board? Yeah, I don't even know what question you just said. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, is somebody better suited to explain what, what, what I'm trying to say? What about did something from the original get not lost, get yeah. lost? Yeah. Did not make it to this the that sequel wish thirty five years later? No, nah, I mean this film definitely expands on everything mm-hmm. in the original. I think the corny stuff they take out. Yeah. To me, it's just an all around better film. Like. Yeah. Going back and watching Blade Runner, I was just kind of like, I can't hear what the fuck they're saying half the time. Yeah. And then they're all talking really weird and slow. Things seem to move at a slow pace in one spot and then ridiculously fast in another. And then they jump between. I'm like, what What am it's I even looking at? Film. It is very yeah. confusing. And it suffers from like old filmmaking, too. Like Modern filmmaking has just changed so much since 82 that like it. Its pace doesn't hold up. Yeah. It's a weirdly structured paced film. And Agreed. the performances are weird, especially uh, <laughs> the, the replicants. They're terrible. Yeah. 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 The acting in that was bad. I don't know if it, it was because. It is superiorly horrible. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. watching that. Ford did it okay. Like, I mean, he's Harrison, he's he's Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, yeah. everybody else. Like, Daryl Hannah sucks in this movie. Yeah. Rucker Howard's trash in this movie i'm just like rucker howard didn't bother me that much the final scene with him is good beyond that like i was like what the hell yeah i think the person that bothered me the most was the sebastian one the guy that was 25 but aged Mm -hmm. really fast the genetic engineer or genetic whatever yeah because he was was supposed to be really smart but they made him seem like super socially awkward in a way that did not make him seem intelligent yeah and and uh, yeah his whole performance was it missed the mark to me um, because I was just confused, completely confused, and I wasn't, I wasn't moved. But. What I liked about the original, which I think it, it totally missed it, was that it, we're actually, I'm sorry, I, I attract, I, that I thought was ahead of its time, is that it took an approach to sci-fi that you would take that approach today. Right. It's just, it was so different back then that it, it, it worked in some ways and failed miserably in others. But I see what Scott was trying to do. Right. He's trying to make a, like a, 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 more serious sci-fi because I think in 82 all sci-fi was campy you know, or campy or yeah, things like that something of that nature horror yeah, yeah. yeah. so he, he was like I'm gonna make a sci-fi film and just pretend that it's just regular life it's, it's real life yeah, yeah yeah I'm gonna make the get out of like, sci-fi uh, film I mean but I feel like that's what Arrival was <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know what I think was a good to me that has heavy influence is Minority Report mm. yeah. hey, there's a lot of Blade Runner in that that it it even though it's set in the future, it has futuristic things, but it feels like you're watching well, like normal life. Are they both Philip K. Dick? Yeah, they are. They okay. are both Philip well, K. So Dick. That, that, the writer. That would, yeah. yeah. Oh, make... yo, like you have you seen the trailer for the new Philip K. Dick series? I did. It, was, uh-uh. it looks like a total rip off of Black Mirror. Yeah, it does. Really? <laughs> like completely. Oh, more so than Room One One O Four. I haven't watched that one. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> is that a that, sci-fi one too? No, it's just some. It, the first episode of Room One O Four was good. The rest of them fail. I I don't know that the first episode I when I watched I was like this is in a bad direction and just two and two made it just put it over the edge. The second one was really yeah. fucking stupid. Um, um, yeah. Uh, but th- that's interesting. I I want to see it now. I want to see Steve Buscemi's in it. A bunch mm-hmm. of like actors are in it. Where okay. is it going to be? Where is it? Amazon. Amazon. Oh. Oh. It's on based on short stories by Philip K. Dick, which Philip K. Dick has That's a lot, lot of yeah. stuff. Scanner Darkly, mm-hmm. mm. he's, he's got a lot of shit. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. He's got some cool uh, Total Recall, Total Recall, yep. yeah. Okay. Starship Troopers, Starship Troopers. Is cool. Don't care about no, that's that. not. I, I re- that is not Philip K. Dick. That is Robert A. Heinlein. I, I was like, that seems really yeah, like far away that from the rest not, of the things you need. Sorry, is yeah. it safe to say Philip K. Dick is like the Stephen King of like sci-fi? sci-fi. Okay. Yeah, it's like inspired a lot of shit and was ahead of his time. I don't know what else. I mean, minus the perversion, but 
you know, all this other shit. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's. But how I like I that approach because even even Total Recall had a little bit of like, it when you watch the film, you feel like maybe this is what life will really be like, right. because they show characters doing real things. Whereas like when you watch old Star Trek, they're they're walking through doors that open, like they're not making coffee, right? Like they're they're doing things that humans don't do. Well, you know or what, what it, or what they choose to show us. You know what it so. makes me want to do. It makes me really want to go back and read some of his stuff because you can see the parallels and how they construct mm-hmm. the universes sometimes in some mm-hmm. of these films. So it makes you wonder, like, is it something in his literature that alludes to that? That they're mm-hmm. all the same universe. Yeah, or you know, or these people do these people just kind of like I see that this story was you know do they just kind of like make those decisions on the directorial level because of the work that preceded it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or is it or is it part of his literature? I, I There's a lot of common themes, uh, robots and their role in society. And right. then usually all of, a lot of Philip K. Dick stuff, the main antagonist has his quote-unquote world ripped apart. Yeah. Like what you perceive the world is now being completely flipped upside yeah, down. Yeah, paradigm shift. Yeah, flipped upside down for you. So, I mean, there's there's some common things that are obviously going to translate to every story. Right. Yeah. I'm, I guess maybe like with Minority Report, the social message there didn't really resonate with me until like right now. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, which is interesting about, like, you know. Yeah. What you perceive your rights to be and what <laughs> the ways that they can be used to imprison you like wrongfully. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a line in that film. It was like, "How can you arrest someone if they haven't done anything?" Right. But and it's like, no. But they were. But they're gonna do something. It's like, whoa. Well, I mean, but we operate under that premise a lot now, right? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, guilty. So proven. Otherwise, Um, (laughs) let's talk about Easter eggs between the two. Let's just glaze over some of those really quick. Um, You know, things that they bought into the sequel that were obviously pulled from the first, whether it's part of the world or just part of a reference to kind of keep the, the cult going? The first thing I think about in that regard is the uh, the holograms. Mm-hmm. I remember that being a visual aspect of the old one that really kind of stuck out to me. And then in this one, I feel like they try to push the bar a little bit with the whole naked hologram chick that kind of came out at them. Right. Um, which I felt like it was a little bit too much. I feel like that's something I, you wouldn't I thought that see. was a really dope scene because it's like... Technically, it was a dope scene, but I feel like I had seen it before and I mm. saw it in the movie Her. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I mean, it's just like the realization for his character that like his relationship with Joy might not have been real at all. Mm. Because it's like he doesn't... It's like the, it's like the whole thing between humans and uh, androids or whatever. It's like... Are they really human? He's like, is she really my girlfriend? Is are we really in a relationship, or is she just programmed to tell me everything I want to hear? Right. And he was completely torn. I mean, he his memory. He knew it wasn't real, but it fucked with him because it created it created something new for him because he thought he was the son, and he and to find out he was duped in a way it's like he, he was knew like, he's being duped but not that type of duping he was pinocchio yeah in that moment that's yeah. what that felt like he's like i'm a she said it to him you're a real boy and i was mm-hmm. like oh pinocchio yeah yeah she called him joe because like joy is like joy with the um exclamation point like that's where she got it so he thinks oh she really cares about me she named me which is something none of us get really and he finds out it's like well now nah, she just got got it off of a skyscraper yeah. like I thought that was. I thought their relationship was like really dope. It was. 
Look at, oh, I didn't even put it on the outline, but that whole sinking scene, yeah, oh, that, that to cool. me was amazing. From a technical perspective, yeah. Yeah, but it's just the simplicity of it. Because we've seen it, okay, we saw it in Ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then to take that same sort of ideology and just modernize it and give it a little bit more of an emotional, well, it was still emotional in Ghost too, but I don't know, man. It just It's something resonated different. Or maybe it was the same, just modern. It you know what I'm saying? It felt like Ghost. And her at the same time. Yeah. But was, I think it, it was dope, though. I mean, it felt like her if it hadn't gone wrong. <laughs> so. yeah. What I liked about her character, though, was that I think with this, it invoked the same feeling you get watching Kay. Like, are you real? Are you not real? How how much of your you know uh, artificial intelligence is it? How much of it is manufactured, mm-hmm. and or it, it does it have the ability to learn and grow and be its own thing, or is it programmed? Right. So, and I think that goes into the message. A lot of the messages of the film, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that uh, that should, girl, she's yeah. done like two really dope sci-fi projects. Now I don't know her name, mm-hmm. um, but the prostitute or whatever. Like, of course, she's in San Junipero. Yeah, that's what I was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, that won that's like an Emmy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, re- I recognized her from that immediately. Okay. She's in Halt and Catch Fire, but I, I, I haven't watched anything past like the la- the first couple episodes. Right. Yeah. I didn't feel like her character was super necessary. Which one? I, yeah. Which one? Uh, the hooker. The hooker. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they put the tracking device in his thingy. Yeah. 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 Um, well, she was the catalyst for him to be connected with the revolution. Right. Yeah, but so. I mean, like, is it that that felt like they were setting up another sequel, which I don't care to see, but. They did kind of let that f- just kind of lay flat after you see the girl with no eye. They and I was like, who the hell is she? Yeah, they don't, Why do I they care don't about come, her? They don't come back to that. They just kind of left it there. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> from a technological perspective, right, I do agree that the, the sinking scene was dope. So what exactly was that that we were looking at when Rachel reappears, like, with Wallace? What are we looking at? Is that her? And they did something to her face? Like, what are we looking at? Oh, that, Was that somebody else that looked a lot like her no, in that's, makeup? That's CGI. That's CGI. like um, with, uh, Rogue One. Yeah. They had that one dude that's like completely CGI. Oh, okay. They, they did a good job. Yeah, yeah. because I saw, I saw where she was credited with being in the movie, but there was like old footage that they used of her in the movie. Right. So I'm like, they still have to credit her because she is in the movie. In the credits, there's a body double credit for the person, too. Okay. Yeah. She looks. She does not look like. That. She doesn't look like that at all. So, so I'm yeah. just kind of like, what the hell did they I do? I interpret the same thing as when you saw Princess Leia at Rogue One. They did the similar process. They got someone who was a younger build and CGI'd her face onto her. Mm. Part of the 185 million. Yeah. I promise you. I was looking at. I was looking at her like, is that makeup? What am I looking at? Yeah. I will say they did a great job. No, no they yeah. did. I thought they did. I thought they did better than I, Princess I, Leia. I had questions. Obviously, yeah. I knew that that wasn't Princess Leia, but yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's people who hadn't seen the film didn't realize that either. So, mm. oh, they probably couldn't tell. But mm. I was I was looking at it like, what the hell? It freaked me. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, well, we didn't get too far into the Easter eggs. And it sounds like we probably won't. <laughs> we probably well, we won't. Keep going. I mean, there, there's the video. Uh, there's the logos. They had Pan Am and Atari who were that clearly not That was the one that I was saying earlier. I was like, what the hell? Anymore. Pan Am's been gone since yeah, forever. forever. Yeah. Um, I like the... um. Can I get a drink line? I thought that was dope. Because, you know, in the original, it's um, Harrison Ford explaining to uh, Rachel about her being a replicant. And she was like, well, I'll take that drink. And in this one, it's Harrison Ford 
explaining stuff to um K and he's like, Alright, I'll take that drink. And right. it's like the exact same line. I thought that was kinda dope. Mm, I missed that. That's good. Um, I like the other the subtle reference. I I always thought that was an interesting scene and it stands out is when Harrison Ford was going through the camera footage and he's like up to the left, down to the right, down to the left. Like and it, it was a it's a weird scene mm. in the original. I didn't understand thing. how we even got there in that movie. In what movie? Like what? Why we were looking at that? I don't remember either. That's what I'm saying. There's details missing in the first one. That I also remember hard. thinking like, "Hey, Sony, you've got to check for this." And then like, mm-hmm. the technology looking really shitty, even for the '80s. Like <laughs> TVs look better than that, and I'm like, "This is supposed to be 2019." <laughs> That's funny. But I saw how much it improved mm-hmm. in 30 years, right? Yeah, it is. So, but they, there was a reference to it in the movie with uh, Gosling doing it. Mm. Went before he went into Vegas, which yeah, I don't know why. It just it a couple times. Yeah, it just stood out to me as something. As I, a, I as feel a like detail. Love did it too. Yeah, she did it when she was uh, firing the missiles at all the people, which I still actually don't know why she did that. Well, she did it to protect him so he could find the child. Oh, so the those goons weren't working with the. No, they're the, just like they were rogue. Poor they were just rogue. Like, oh, I thought they were working with the child guy. Mm-mm. They were part of the child. I mean, I thing. think their kids probably lived there, but uh, okay. Uh, okay. I think they're just scavengers. Okay. All right. Interesting. How how did uh let's tell us get into performances, right? So how did Ryan Gosling do as as pretty much Deckard's character? Okay. He did a good job because he's he's done that character before in a way. The yeah. lone the lone warrior, yeah. the quiet warrior kind yeah. of thing. He's I, I he's done that. I thought of his performance in Drive. Yeah, me too. Mm. Yeah, soft-spoken, mm-hmm. you know, very calculated. I mean, it's not a bad thing. That's his thing. So, and it, it fits very well for this movie. And to be so. fair, he can do other things. He can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the memory scene kind of is probably like the height of his range. Mm-hmm. When he finds out that, like, the memories are real, he has that, like, one explosion, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Yeah. I did like that because it... He had a crisis of like an existential crisis in that moment, like what's going on? Because he wanted it to be real, and that that's what I think is interesting. Mm. So. Um, so Leto, we don't even talk about. I'm, I've given up on calling him Leto, even though I think it's Leto, but it's definitely Leto. I'm going to Leto now. So anyway, um, how did he? Because he he had probably the most, the least amount of screen. I think Harrison Ford had more screen time than. Than Jared Leto did, but but he was top billed on it, I believe, right? Jordan Catalano's this shit. We gonna give him top bill. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. So, but in the but I'm just saying all that to say in the little bit of screen time that we got of him being uh, Mr. Wallace, um, what what do we think about his performance? So, I read. Someone shout out to you, CECs was like quotes from the show. Young Leezy saying, "I think I read somewhere." No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did read that he didn't improvise being blind. Like, he wasn't acting. The contacts that you see in his eyes completely blocked his vision. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, you're super committed there to giving an authentic performance. He was so scary. Mm-hmm. He was so scary without raising his voice, without having to be physically threatening. Even in the scene where he slashes the... um the the replicant that's just being born, which was so gross. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I want to know what that oozy stuff that was on. Was <laughs> Disgusting. Like, um, How they breathe in that damn thing. Right. Um, but that being said, like even though I know he's about to be violent, like he does it, he does it so quickly, and he's so scary without like traditional mechanisms that you would see to make that would make a character scary. Mm. 
Mm. You just don't know what he's about to do. Yeah, no clue. I agree. I just want him to get a movie where he does more screen time. I think he, I agree with all the sentiments. I just, you don't see him in anything long enough. Mr. Nobody. Well, I, I, I'm saying in a while. Because uh, he had, you know, because he had uh, Suicide Squad last year. It was a big He wasn't really in that, though. He's, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not in, he's he, he's had the last two big roles that everybody thinks is a really big deal, and he's in the movie for all of three seconds. So you think he's <laughs> underutilized? Yeah, but I mean, it's not a bad thing either. You don't want to, like, you don't want to overdo it either. But it's like, you see what he can do with so little. It's like, wow, I kind of want more, want more Leto. I might be wrong, but I think he's yeah, going to be the new Hugh Hefner doc, uh, biopic or something like that. Interesting. I think they were as, already working on it. Like, yeah, yeah, they were already working on it before he died. So I totally would have cast Ryan Gosling in that, but. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to tell you who you should cast. Uh, Fassbender. Look at young pictures of, I'm not mad. of Hugh Hefner. Oh, yeah. It looks just like Fassbender to me. He look, Fassbender looks like he might be too tall to play Hugh, though. Well, I mean. Uh, yeah. Hugh Hefner's like a frail dude. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I was. I was. I mean. But I wasn't shocked. I was very much impressed by his performance in this. With you, like you said, it's very menacing without having to do much. Um. I, one of the things that I appreciate is when an actor. The key to acting is subtlety. From that's what I was always taught from theater, right? The key to acting is subtle subtlety, and and behaving in a way where it's not obvious that you're acting, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that like. He's he just he just does that so perfectly. It's and you don't know what he's gonna do next. And that was the thing about even I appreciated him as a Joker. I don't know like I how did like it as a Joker. Oh yeah, but I just wanted more. I wanted more too. But that was the thing. He was scary as the Joker, and he was scary as the Joker in a completely different way than Heath Ledger was. It, but it was the same feeling of like, what the fuck are you about to do? Like that's what makes something scary. It's like when someone's going to tickle you, you're like, what's about to happen? That's why it's scary. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, <laughs> you need a nap, guys. Harrison Ford, another actor <laughs> on those? Really, so, uh, yeah. I have a question. Like, what was going on with Love? Like, how she was crying? Like, was she crying because, like, replicants were dying, but she's still, like, this cold-hearted person at the same time? Like, how did you interpret that performance? You know what? I, it was hard for me to gather her, to be honest, man. I, I I really didn't know what to think about her, other than other than she's she's gonna kick ass when we see her. You know what I'm saying? But for what for like what the what the I I really honestly I don't know, man. I'm the wrong person to ask <laughs> I, for that one. I put it in the same thing as it seemed like all the replicants have this. They're having a a major identity crisis, mm-hmm. and I think every single replicant does it in their own way. And I think I think it's adding to that that even though we've uh, you know they're the humans in this movie have created artificial intelligence and they've tried to make these quote unquote things more human. They don't realize that a human emotion is that that identity that they're all having an identity crisis. And I think that that just adds to the mystery of it with her. Oh, that's. What did you think about that final fight scene with her? Like. With her and um, Gosling like fighting over Harrison Ford, like what did you think about that scene? Dope as shit. It was very from a technical perspective, it was very dope. Yeah. Uh, I love the look and feel it because you didn't really know where they were. Right. Is you just know there's water involved? Uh, like, when she was like, "We're going home," I was like, "Where the fuck are you?" Yeah. I liked it. I loved it. Just the look of it. The but, I mean, how I felt about the scene is, I mean, it was uh, it's a classic scene. You know, you have a villain, hero, and a heroine in this case. 
Which she did an amazing job. I I never I'd never seen her before. Um, Sylvia she Hoax. changed her face. What she do you mean? I I read that too. And IMDb is one of the things that she wanted to make herself look more Japanese, which is so random. But so so how did she achieve that? Her she dyed her hair, and I they did something like with her eyebrows and and having her like with the ponytail. Oh, okay. Um. Well, you know. Us ladies of a certain age know what ponytails do for your face. So, what do they do for your face? <laughs> they snatch your face up. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Nice. Trust me, whenever an older woman's trying to look young, she got the ponytail snatched for her <laughs> life. Her like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real so, tight. you know, that's, you know, it's going to make your skin tighter. Do with that what you will okay. and to try to make her appear more Asian, which I thought was so strange. I was like, why does this character even need to appear more Asian? Right. Strange. So you don't have a theory on that? Oh, I, I have no idea. I just read that she was like, this is the Japanese version of me. I'm like, why does she need to be Japanese? Huh. Weird. He's wearing like, uh, Jared Leto's wearing like a Japanese robe, right? I think. But that's what it seemed like. I like, think he might have like a fet- or some type of affinity for Japanese culture and just mm-hmm. Asian culture in general, like mm-hmm. in both movies. Is to, like, to think about the ways that, I mean, he's blind, but to think about the ways that even his surroundings are decorated in that minimalist way, I can see what you mean. Yeah. And there are a couple of times throughout the film we see like Japanese characters and stuff being right. prominently displayed mm-hmm. on like signs and stuff. So, And um, it seemed, that seemed to be, I mean, personally, that seemed to be geographically speaking, like in the first one, it seemed like it seemed there was like so a much more, Asian yeah, influence. So much Asian influence everywhere, even down to like just the lighting. Like it just it looked the whole like world Tokyo. felt mm-hmm. like little yeah, it felt like Chinatown. Uh, I mean you, you know. wonder if that was a, a subtle reference to Chinatown and film noir and all this. It could have been. Yeah, yeah. it could have been very much. Yeah. Well, the, the funny part though is going back, you said the one thing that didn't come from the original is that this film didn't feel as noir as, as the original. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Oh, that's a good point. It was yeah. much prettier. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was gritty, but I mean, it didn't, you know, I mean, the original had the voiceover kind of sort of depending on which one you watch, <sighs> you know, and it, he's. He's a detective at the end of the day, yeah. just like a lot of film noir. So, I mean, I, I was a little glad to see that because I'm not a big fan of film noir. Mm. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, I just remember that. There was something that didn't really make it to the new version. Right. Okay. Um, any nifty, nerdy trivia you guys want to address about this film that I, may be interesting to I got one that apparently wood is very, like, rare and it's very valuable, hence the scene with the, the guy from the ship. Yeah, uh, uh, Captain Phillips. Right, but if you look, Jared Leto's like little lair is all wood mm. to showcase how rich and wealthy <laughs> he is. Mm. I'm rich as fuck yeah. <laughs> with wood. That's that's in, that makes sense though because you, mm. you, I mean, if you start talking about dystopian futures mm. and 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 trees breed oxygen and things of that nature. Well, apparently, in their world, like animals have all pretty much a lot of animals have died out. Trees are not. Really prevalent anymore. Yeah, they're eating worms. They're basically. eating worms, yeah. protein. Yeah, the world's basically gonna end. But I'm thinking like, if you're gonna synthesize protein, like the worms, the best you can do. Right. Huh? I guess they could survive like the toxic environment or something like that. Mm-hmm. A worm? I I would think like you'd have to eat like a roach, but that's just me. <laughs> so I mean, who knows? It's weird. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Did you guys like Robin Wright at all? Uh, yeah, she surprised her, me. Yeah, she did. She surprised me too. Yeah. I was surprised, but the did the scene where it looked like she was coming on to him, 
Yeah. Did anybody kind of get that vibe when she was like, so what are we going to do after I drink that? Yeah. Like, yeah, she was. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I didn't really we? get their relationship yeah. too much. It was, I mean, ambiguous to me, but I've been known to miss shit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I, I loved her death scene. Mm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I thought that was very tough, you know? Um, definitely showed. She went out like a G. She went out like uh-huh. a fucking G. You know, you got you can't do nothing but respect that. What were you about to say, Jess? Oh, no, just that part where, uh, like, she uh, scans her face and then drops it on the table again. That <laughs> shit was weak. Is, <laughs> I was like, Yo. Yeah, people laughed in the theater when that happened. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I always wonder how they do that shit from a technical perspective. You know what that made me think Make about, a, though? I was well, like, this is how bitches going to get in your iPhone. In the new iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Real talk. Real talk. Any more uh, n- nerdy, nifty things? Martin, you got to have a few up your sleeve. Um, nah, <laughs> now that I think about it, I can't really think of much more. Do you guys? I can think about me being a nerd watching the movie like this is bullshit. How is it snowing for fucking four days and it's only an inch and a half of snow on the ground? Well, actually, Denny, like <laughs> that was like the first thing that Denny wanted is like he was like, I have to feel like this movie is like familiar to me or this this environment is familiar to me. And he's from Canada. So he's like, well, I have to have snow like the original had a lot of rain. I want to have snow because I'm Canadian and I need to feel like part of this world. I said it. I was like, it's fucking snowing in L.A. Cool story. (laughs) What the hell? Mm. I like the movie. (laughs) I like the movie a lot, actually. Okay. So I do have a question. Do you think, I guess with the box office, do you think another movie like this could be made? Like that's kind of like art house is like uncompromising in a sense like they're not really trying to go for a certain audience and for a lot of like regular movie goers this is like a hard film to watch i think Mm -hmm. especially with it being two hours and 45 minutes like do you think this will be like the end of like films like this no no because i because i think the formula to to i think the formula to manifest a better box office result is clear shorten the film um and promote it better mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you don't even have to change the subject matter like mm-hmm. just shorten the film and promote it better you know yeah. what this movie put me in the mind frame of watching it a lot was ex machina mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the feel to I it was that. definitely yeah. agreed but that's a way smaller budget so i think that's how they yeah. i think that direct he's doing annihilation now like another movie with a natalie portman um, but I guess that's how he keeps getting to make movies is he'll do sci-fi but it won't be like an insane budget right like this. Yeah, 185 is a little ambitious. That's that's a lot. That was a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah they that's transform. That's transform money. Everything on that. Like, and, and and I would love to hear from Denny's perspective. Like, does he prefer to work at that price point, or you know, because uh, I think Arrival came in at something like what was it like 60 or 70 million? Like we're talking about like half the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, let's do that. Like I don't I don't think the budget was half as as crazy. It didn't look expensive. Yeah, but it's but still the same thematic. You know, the, he still created a similar feel to the film. You know what I mean? So it's like, obviously, the budget doesn't the budget doesn't make Denny like period. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, um, I would imagine that he probably wasn't that comfortable at this price point, and, and probably dealt with a hell of a lot more structural pressure and things of that nature. But, but the film doesn't reflect that in any way. It looks, it <laughs> feels like a Denny film, yeah. and in every, it doesn't feel like a compromise right. in any so, way. Arrival was forty-seven. See, that's crazy. You're and talking it about grossed a hundred, a hundred point five. You're talking about a movie fucking three times the budget, 
three, four, four times the budget, really. Um, so, you know, but but there's things that got to be taken in consideration. Like Ridley Scott was an executive producer. There's a fee associated with that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's Harrison Ford's fee. I mean, you've got some people that are pretty, pretty high billing. You know, Ryan Gosling's fee, Leto's fee. Uh, I mean, there's just so much to take in consideration here. Um, you know, in addition to just the the general cost of doing business and creating a dystopian future. And they f- or, filmed it mostly in Hungary. In Budapest, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Should have been way cheaper. But then yeah. you got to fly all the crew out there. You got to house people. Right. Uh-huh. Principal photography, I think, was for was like something like four or five months. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you were t- all there that long. Like Lido shot his shit in like two weeks. Yeah, but, but there's still crew, you know, there's, right. you know, there's you probably got second and third units, you know what I'm saying? The light, the scale of just the lighting alone was crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I can see how it could all, you know, go into that big ass pot, but it's I'm a beautiful film. It really is. It really is. And I personally encourage uh, everybody to go see it. If you haven't seen it at this point, um, just at least for the, and, and go and see it in theater too. I feel like that's, that's, you know, a, a a bigger experience, something like this, man, you, you may not appreciate it as much on a smaller format. Um, and at least that's how I feel about it. So um, we kind of touched on it earlier, but you guys are, are we done seeing adaptations or sequels or reboots of this? I know Lizzie said, you said you would love to see a prequel. I'd love a prequel. Yeah. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? I don't know. I, I you know, typically a lot of times I, I, I tend to have a gut feeling. I really don't know. Cause well, it has a fan base. But then, you know, there's nostalgic reasons. There's, you know, a lot of people even question them doing the sequel to begin with. Mm. So when I say a prequel, though, like I, I want to see something else in this universe, but I don't care about these characters anymore. So even if we stayed with the timeline, right, I want to see like what the off world por- portion of like the Blade Runner universe looks like. Mm-hmm. Off world starring the rock. That's yeah. what they said. They, they, what, yeah. Fuck that. But they said what they that they are been to like nine planets. Yeah. They've colonized like nine other planets. Like, I want to see what what life for a replicant in their natural environment is because they don't live on Earth. Right. Interesting. Um. Well, just know Ridley Scott passed on this to do Alien Covenant. So, <laughs> <laughs> which, well, you know, I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, I would have. He would have fucked I, it up. He would have fucked it up. I, Ridley Scott's in the dumpster for me, but I would have. Really? Yeah. Oh, Ridley Scott right now is in the dumpster. He all the last couple things he's made have been really bad. I like or Prometheus. Prometheus. You did? Yeah. Okay, I like Prometheus too, but there's some things I don't like about it. Alien Covenant was bad. Right. I would like Prometheus if it was not in the Alien universe, if it was its own thing. Right. No, I wanted them to just admit it was instead of doing that bait and switch they tried to do with us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you like Alien Covenant? No. It was, I just said three sentences about how I thought it was the dumpster juice. Awful I, film. I'm very awful, curious if Numi Rapace hadn't quit, like what that movie would have been. Oh, she quit? Mm-hmm. Oh. Damn. That's tough. Shout out to you, Ridley. All right, so uh, are we anticipating anything? Just to sum it up real quick, are we anticipating any films coming out we want to see? Star Wars. And I'm really pissed that they didn't have a new trailer. I think it comes yeah. out so tonight. Like it's supposed to be. Today. The rumor was Monday Night Football was coming out tonight. That was the rumor about damn time. I want to see that uh, Han Solo trailer. Mm. Let's see how see what it looks when like. When is Han Solo next year? I think it's next year. Yeah, 
I, well, uh. I want to see somebody make complete a Lucas film. <laughs> <laughs> Other than J.J. Abrams, yeah. that's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want another trailer because I don't want to hear about this later. But I watched the trailer again. I was like, "Fuck, they're making Empire Strikes Back again." Yeah, I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't try to parallel all the new movies with the old ones, mm, like they did the last one. Shut yeah. your <laughs> yeah. face. Yeah, that's what they did. Shut your face. And it sucked. Did not suck. It sucked, sucked you badly. Badly. <laughs> all right, guys. I mean, yeah, and Black Panther. Oh, yeah, Black Panther. We did an episode about that. Yeah, it comes out in February. That's like right around the corner. That yes. truly is. Yeah. Do you have your dashiki ready? <laughs> <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Sorry. Look you up, Corey. I got you, bro. You. Yo. I guess can I ask one last question? Yeah. The the big cult thing is that we didn't really answer. Every is whether you thought Decker was a replica or not. No. The I, short I, answer. I, I who is. You think he is? No. 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 I, I think he is just because well the unicorn stuff and it feels like Edward James almost is kind of manipulating him. It's kind of like a handler at the same time. And there's also in this film it's like even if two replicants get in a fight, the newer one is like always beats the other one. And it's like well replicants are supposed to be so much stronger than humans. And these replicants in the first one are like beating the shit out of him and he could get up and keep going. So I took that as, okay, he must be one of them too because if he was human, they would have killed him like a long time ago. Right, yeah. Real shit. Oh, that was another thing they did in the very beginning. They put his ass through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> that tipped me off. I was like, he's human and they put his ass through the wall I knew and right he's away, bleeding. When he got stabbed, right when they stabbed Ryan Gosling, they show a close-up of his face and he doesn't wince in pain. I was like, he's a replicant. Mm-hmm. Because that was the big thing. They don't feel pain. But yet, seemingly they do, too. Roger Howard appeared to feel pain in the exactly. first one. Like it's, it's, it's not consistent. Like They say they don't feel pain or they don't feel as much pain. But then as the movie progresses, Ryan Gosling was obviously in pain. I think that that, that is... It, okay. If it is a machine, right, that you've purchased and it is supposed to function in your universe... The reason that we as humans feel pain is to deter us from doing dangerous shit. So I would imagine that they feel some pain. We'll never know. My 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 answer was I lean I I, I think he is a replicant. I lean towards yes. Yeah. I try not to think too much about it because once a once a film goes out of its way to prove both points, then it's like, well, it's really just truly up to you. Yeah. If you're not gonna answer it, it's up to you. It's like a ending of inception. No, there's things that make you think it is a dream. There's things that make you think it's not. It's and the filmmakers are admitting it's really just up to you. Right. So, but I lean to yes. Yeah, I think that makes the experience a lot more. Uh, has a lot more of an aftertaste mm-hmm. when 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 you don't. And know. It's fun in its own little way yeah. to have a, a true argument that will never have an answer. Yeah. It, it will never, and, and until they say it, we're never gonna know. Right. So, and even when they say it, you're not gonna believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you know. Um, so, all right, well, cool, man. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us through the Blade Runner episode. Hopefully you have seen it and we didn't spoil it too bad for you. Even though we talked a lot of shit about it, you definitely need to go back and watch the, uh, Ridley Scott version, the 82 version. And, and just remember that it was made in 1982. Um, and then compare it with other films that came out in 1982 and you'll understand why it was superior. Yeah. The director's cut, not the theatrical. Yeah. Please don't watch the one with the fucking voiceover. <laughs> the voiceover is the worst. It, it makes you hate the film, me personally. Um, so anyway, man, uh, I'm going to go ahead and shout out my socials, and hopefully the other guys will too. You can find me on Instagram at filmmakingtreezy, T-R-E-E-Z-Y. 
or on uh, Twitter, filmmaking trees with no Y. And uh, filmmaking is two M's, right? F I L M and then M in the making. So. All right. And you can find me at JT Vision, J T V I Z I O N, and at JTVision.com. And as always on Instagram, I am Young Leezy, Y U N G L E E Z Y. And on Twitter, I am same old C S A M E O L E C E E. And just follow Kind of Movie Critics. And also, uh, <laughs> that girl's name is Mackenzie Davis, the one from Black Mirror and uh, the prostitute in Blade Runner 2049. I kind of wanted to give her credit. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm at Corey Ray Smith, Corey with a K on all things that matter. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, like uh, Martin the Mailman said, uh, follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Kinda Movie Critics and on Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits. And make sure that you, if you, you know, if you're just listening to us on SoundCloud, we are available on uh, Google Play and iTunes per subscription. So please go ahead and subscribe to us and uh, leave a comment, you know, review us, all that cool stuff, man. We could definitely use you guys' input. And, um, uh, yeah, shout out to the team, to the team that's growing, man. We got a little bit of a social media team going on with, uh, with uh, you know, our kind of movie critics page. Shout out to Shanae, man. She's uh, She did these little quotes. If you see these quotes that come up, these movie quotes, that was the birth child of uh, Shanae. So, um, the birth child? Yeah, I don't know. Brainchild. The, the brainchild, birth child. <laughs> Same, different difference. You know, whatever. <laughs> But yeah, now shout out to Shanae for that. I think that's a it's a pretty cool concept. So hopefully you'll see some more quotes from a real nigga. That's treasy. Yeah. So anyway, he almost made it through the whole episode. We almost we made almost, it. Right. I saved it for the end just for you, Lizzie. So uh, anyway, man, uh, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not. We're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an on ear network production.